Please turn with me once more to Psalm number 25, Psalm number 25. And this evening we're going to be looking at the end of this psalm, verses 16 down to verse number 22. Verse 16, Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. All the way down to verse 22. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And our title for this evening's message is, The Believer Prays in Affliction. The Believer Prays in Affliction. The first sermon we looked at, Psalm number 25, two weeks ago now, and we looked at the first seven verses, focusing very much on how to pray. And very much, there's so many things we could learn, isn't there? And the Lord taught his disciples how to pray. And we'll never get to a point before heaven where we'll think, well, I've learned all the things that I need to know about prayer. We've always got to be learning about how we communicate better with our God. But not even just the how of prayer. We looked at then from verses 8 down to verse 15, who we're talking to. The good, upright, and kind God who is gracious and great and powerful and might. It is him we address. We must be careful that our prayers do not become mechanical. They do not become a checklist. And there's always in any Christian truth. There are so many dangers to the left of us. And to the right of us. But that brings us to our final uh, end of this psalm. Psalm number 25. Which is really looking about, you could say, the when of prayer. The when of prayer. And it's very much focusing on a specific when of prayer, which is during times of trouble and affliction. Now, it doesn't mean that the only time we pray is during affliction. Um, Paul writes to the Thessalonians in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing so we shouldn't be thinking it's just an affliction that we pray we pray in the good times we pray in the bad times we pray in sickness we pray in health we pray at all times to the lord it is our worship before him it is one of the ways we worship before him but we especially pray in times of affliction and what is affliction? Well, affliction could be many different things. It could be sickness, suffering, pain, distress. And this could include a lot of different things that can be causing these things. It could be emotional distress, spiritual, physical, and for all sorts of reasons. Reasons, perhaps that are not linked to our own sin. We live in a sin-cursed world, and sometimes it is. And so there can be all sorts of things that can be going on around us that feel like they are without anyone in control. And then we know that the Lord is in control, but it may feel at times like there's no control. See, affliction can come for many different reasons. But whatever the reasons are, God knows them. So when we address God, he knows the reasons. And there's a good purpose 
for these afflictions, these sufferings, and these pain in our lives. In times of affliction, I would urge you, brethren, they're a wonderful opportunity to come closer to the Lord. Because they, are the, they can be the sweetest, closest time of prayer you will ever have. You cry out to the Lord in times of affliction and struggles with far more urgency, far more sense of your own need, far more sense of your own frailty during times of affliction than when things are all going okay or seem to be going okay. Dealing with affliction is a, it's a, something we all need to learn, isn't it? It's not easy. And it's something perhaps in our own generation, maybe the younger generation, struggle with. Dealing with affliction, times of setbacks, all sorts of things. And we look at mild affliction that many maybe lack coping skills. The Lord helps his people to deal with these things. In the midst of afflictions and difficulties, we can't look for comfort and luxury in this life. But in the midst of it, we look for comfort and joy in the presence of the Lord. And there's, and there's other types of affliction I could mention as well. Loneliness, isolation. We can't avoid affliction. No matter what we do in this world. No matter how careful we are. No matter how cautious we are. We will all face it. In one way or another. But what we must do in the, in the midst of it. Is not try to seek to run away from affliction. But to run toward the Lord. So let us look to him this evening. As we look at these verses. And what we're going to look at. Is various different times. When the believer prays in affliction. And the first time the believer prays in affliction. Is when he sees his nature. When he sees his nature. It says in verse number 16, Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. I am desolate and afflicted. When we pray, when we cry out to the Lord, is often when we see our own nature. Who we are fallen sinners before God. We learn about our spiritual poverty. As the psalmist writes, I am desolate. Desolate. We need God's favor. We need God's loving kindness. And the more we see our need of his favor, his mercy, his forgiveness the more we will pray in times of affliction. You see, we're crying out to the Lord for that which we don't deserve. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his kindness and his goodness. But he freely gives us such things in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we suffer affliction by faith, in the midst of that difficulty and trial, we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Seeing him, the beauty of Christ, but also seeing our nature. 
See, because if we don't see our nature, who we are, the danger is we come to the Lord in prayer and think, why is this happening? I deserve better than this. And so we can become bitter. The Lord owes me something better than this. And, and the more we examine our own hearts, the more we compare ourselves with the perfect law of liberty, that is the Lord's law, we realize all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reality is, dear friends, we deserve far more. As, as painful as the affliction you may be facing today, whatever it is, we still deserve far more. It's a hard thing for us to even contemplate at times, especially when we're going through times of challenge and difficulty and pain. Times that will cost us sleep. Times where we will weep over certain issues. But I just want us to turn briefly to Jeremiah's words in Lamentations chapter 3. In Lamentations chapter 3. And we're going to look at some verses from Lamentations chapter 3. From verses 19 down to verse 23. Now, when I read these verses, I want us to think about what is happening in Lamentations. People will quote some of these verses and it, they, they just seem like that they're... Let's all happy, as in, um, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. But this is in the midst of deep devastation for the people of God. Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is gone. And Jeremiah, writing Lamentations, says this from verse 19 of chapter 3. Remember mine affliction and my misery. The wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. But look what he says. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. And it's then he says, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So there is Jeremiah in the midst of ruin and devastation. In the midst of a ministry where he warns them over and over again. Of what will happen if they do not repent and turn to the Lord. And it comes. The Babylonians come and destroy Jerusalem. In 586 BC. Something that they couldn't scarcely imagine would happen. But it happened. And yet in the midst of that. The worst case scenario for the people of God. That the temple is destroyed. It is of the Lord's mercies. They were not consumed. The worst thing that could happen. Happened in their minds almost. And yet we deserve far worse. Jeremiah still saw the mercy of the Lord. In the midst of all that affliction and all that pain. And you can only see that with the eye of faith. When you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And this can only be seen by faith. When we see our spiritual poverty. Jeremiah didn't just see his own spiritual poverty. He saw the spiritual poverty of all those who were blessed enough to be saved. Jesus in the Beatitudes, when he's 
um, speaking to a great crowd in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 and verse 4 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And because of that poverty of spirit, Jesus refers to, then verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, because they will be mourning over that poverty of spirit, for they shall be comforted. Comforted. There is affliction even in seeing our own nature. There's affliction, there's a pain, isn't there? There's almost, when we come to know the Lord, there's a, there is a degree of pain in seeing who we are. What we have done against a good, holy, and righteous God. But there's also comfort found only in Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus reminds this crowd he's speaking to, you're blessed. If you see your poverty of spirit, you are blessed. If you mourn over that poverty of spirit, you are blessed. He doesn't say you're going to have an easy time. Actually, you're going to see the difficulty. And when we see our fallen sinful nature, where do we look to for the answer? You see, inside we only see reasons to lament. As the psalmist says, I am desolate and afflicted. I am desolate. The answer is not within me. Um, most of the world will say, and most of other philosophies and religions will say, the answer is within you. Well, that's a very sad message. Why would a poor beggar go to another poor beggar? Imagine a, a man who has no food, no money, and being tell him, you know what, the answer to your lack of food it's within you. It's not very comforting, is it? No, you go to a man who is rich, abundant in such riches and kind. You go to someone outside of yourself. We are spiritual beggars. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit and the Beatitudes, he's literally almost saying beggars. Spiritual beggars. Beggars. And spiritual beggars see their nature. And they cry out to the one who can help them. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Compare that to our spiritual poverty. But we look unto his riches. This poor soul in our psalm here. Sees that the help is in no one else. Turn, unto, turn thee unto me and have mercy Upon me. And then in verse 18, he says this David writes, writing on the inspiration of the Spirit of God, look unto look upon mine affliction and my pain. Very interestingly, he says, and forgive all my sins. Doesn't say this is not fair. Why is this happening? No, look upon my affliction. Look upon the pain I'm going through. Forgive me. Forgive me. Because he realizes of, of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The riches of the mercies of God to forgive sin. See our nature found in Adam. That's what brings all the misery we see around us. 
all the conflicts, even, you know, we turn on the, the news and we see the conflicts and they make our stomach churn and it's so sad. But the same seeds of sin and downfall and destruction are within our own hearts. And then when we see that, we're not looking within ourselves. We're not thinking, oh, we're thinking, well, it's of the Lord's mercies. We're not consumed. And it's a wonderful thing to have the Lord in the midst of afflictions. Now, we also need to point out that not all afflictions are from our own personal sins. This example, such as in the book of Job. Job faced afflictions. He lost his family. He lost most of his property and all these things. Not linked to personal sin, per se. But it can be. It can be. So sometimes relief in the midst of affliction can be relief from sin. And there may be an area that you realize is not right in your life. And you're going through affliction, pain, suffering of some description because of your sin. And then it would be very much right to say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe we can't see it at the time. We ask the Lord to help us to see these things. We need forgiveness daily. When, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to ask for forgiveness daily. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. This is in the midst of the model, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 down to verse 15. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we seek forgiveness for our own debts, but we also seek forgiveness to forgive others. Verses 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As you pray in affliction, forget not the nature of others who may have done you wrong. And when we hold on to things, uh, we, we're not willing to forgive, then it can hinder our prayer. It can. And so we must be willing to forgive. If somebody comes and says to you, I'm sorry, we must be willing to accept that apology. We must also, even if they don't, forbear one another, the scriptures say. We must for, not forget, we come to the Lord, yes, remembering our own nature, but remember the nature of others. And we're no better than anyone else. Do you forgive others in seeing your own nature? Do you pray for their affliction? See, whatever affliction you're going through, remember there are other people we're also going through afflictions. Maybe they've never told you about it. Maybe it's physical pain. 
Maybe it's emotional pain. Maybe it's things that keeps them up at night. And you don't know about it. Let us extend mercy and forgiveness. Because our Father in heaven is merciful. Blessed and merciful. That's what the, the Beatitudes tell us. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. So... The second point that we're going to look at here this evening. So the believer prays in affliction. Number one, when he, he sees his nature. Number two, now when he sees his need. When he sees his need. First point's really much looking at our, we're sinners. But it's far more than that. Number two is we're creatures. We are in need. Even if we were not sinners, we would be in need. We are creatures. We are small, finite Creatures of the dust of the earth. And we depend upon God for absolutely everything. And so when we face trouble, anxiety of our heart, do we turn to our own self? See, some of us, and I'm guilty of this as well, when we're troubled by things, we don't pray as often as we should. You may work harder or do something else to distract you. But we so should pray. And I'm very convicted saying this. Because there are wonderful opportunities to spend before the Lord. When you see your need. When you see your frailty. It's one of the reasons the Bible talks about fasting and praying. Fasting is usually for times of emergency. Times of unexpected Things that happen. And fasting is usually appropriate when something happens in our life when we won't be hungry anyway. So that we could focus upon the Lord. And in the midst of fasting and prayer, we feel our frailty. You don't eat for long enough. You will feel frail. You will feel weak. And it's the greatest feeling to go before the Lord with. Because there's nothing worse than going before the Lord feeling self-sufficient. Without any sense of your own need. The more we see our frailty, the more we cry out to the Lord and depend upon Him. Modern man seeks to look within, but we must see our frailty. Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. And these distresses, when we see our need, you can feel overwhelmed. We were talking about earlier, there's no sense of control. Now, we know the Lord's in control, but we sometimes fail to see that. And we may emotionally feel such grief that we don't feel any control over the situation. Maybe up until that point, everything seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, things change. It could be a death of a dear loved one. Unexpectedly, it may be some sickness. It may be some area of spiritual backsliding. It may be your own life or in someone else's. And there's almost a sense of which grief can come like a flood. I don't know if you've ever experienced floods, but floods can be very hard to prepare for. Where I'm originally from in Cork, there was a few floods there recently and uh, there was one town in particular where there was a lot of water coming in really really quickly on the streets and everything 
And you could see when you saw the news report of it, the, the devastation in people's eyes when they, 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 they think they've lost their business. They're not sure, but the whole place is ruined and it's, it's heartbreaking to see property is damaged and it's totally unexpected. And you think, well, what can you do to prepare for floods? They're very unpredictable. There might have not have been a flood like that for 40 years. You can't really prepare for it. When it comes, it's shocking and causes grief. But they come almost out of nowhere. Where did that come out of? And you can see it when this devastation that comes. Spurgeon says this about this verse. When trouble penetrates the heart, it is, it is trouble indeed. In the case before us, the heart was swollen with grief like a lake surcharged with water by enormous floods. And in such cases, we are to seek emotional relief. In all, all the senses, we are not robots. We're not. At times, we may get so busy, we may think we're, but then something happens and we realize how frail we are in our health and everything else like that. But we look to the Lord for sweet, wonderful relief in those moments when we feel like all things have no sense of control. In the world, what does the world do when they face times of affliction? They don't seek the Lord. They don't have the comfort that we have in the Lord. They seek drugs. They seek alcohol to numb the pain that is in the world. There's no comfort outside of the Lord Jesus Christ we've been created in the image of God so only the Lord satisfies the one who's been created in his image whatever we're doing we must cry out to the Lord the troubles of my heart are enlarged and yes we seek for help for other Christians as well I don't want to just say that we do these things alone if you're going through something hard friendships are very important Go and pray with a dear brother or sister in Christ. But our greatest, closest friend is the Lord in these times. And he will bring you closer to him. You see, affliction can be really, when you go through it and you depend more upon the Lord, you look back and you wouldn't change it. You come through it and you look more to the Lord and have peace with him. Our third point that we're going to look at when he sees his nakedness. When he sees his nakedness. This is the believer praise and affliction. What I mean by this is when he sees how exposed he is. And this is seen in verse number 19. Consider mine enemies. They are many. And they hate me with cruel hatred. We have no protection from our enemies without the Lord. And we can forget that so many times as Christians. We don't realize how much things without the Lord's protection. Now the Lord is in control of everything. And praise God for that. And when nothing happens in our lives. When we have that hedge of protection around us. And we cry out to the Lord at, at the, the altar of the Lord in in 
family worship. And we ask for the Lord's protection. And nothing happens without his permission and sovereign good control. But we have no protection of ourselves. Without the Lord's hedge of protection, Satan and ever we would be easy prey. Can a sheep face a lion? And the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We don't stand a chance against the devil alone. But we have the Lord. We have the Lord. Consider mine enemies for they are many. The Bible often uses pictures like this. Sheep and wolves. And if you ever were out in the field and you saw a sheep alone. You might not be too worried about it. But how much more worried would you be if you saw a gang of wolves surrounding this one sheep away from its shepherd what does what did the enemies of the lord what did they, what what pictures used in the scriptures in psalm 14 and verse 4 have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the lord it can be very hard for us to really think through these things, but the scriptures don't want us to be naive. We're not to, we're not to think evil of people either, unnecessarily, but we're also not to be naive. We are food to them. And we are exposed and without any protection, without the Lord. Completely naked. When God opens our eyes. Often what we will see. When we come to know the Lord. Sometimes you'll see tracks. And I remember seeing this track years ago. And I confess it made me quite sad to see it. But it just said smile. um, If you know Jesus. And I, I know what they're trying to say. There's a joy and a peace. But there's a sense in which when you come to know the Lord, you're, you're many, in many senses, your problems have just begun. The world, the flesh, and the devil will be enemies of you. And the, the problem is when people are told, look, come to Jesus, all your life problems will be over. You have this problem, it'll be over. If you have that problem, it'll be over. And what happens as soon as a person finds difficulty as a believer? They have no way to deal with it. None. But the Lord in his mercy will show us. The situation we face as believers in in Jesus Christ in this world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 it talks about charity or love. It says, love thinketh no evil. So we're not to judge the motivations of people we don't know. We're to think the best possible. But at the same time, realize that those people outside of Christ, they may speak kindly to us at times, but they're of their father, the devil. And it's a hard thing for us to get it, wrap our minds around at times. But it's why we need to be in the scriptures daily. We cannot face... Our enemies described here in Psalm 25 verse 19 without the Lord's help. 
without the Lord's help. And when we see how exposed and unprotected we are without the Lord's help, that is when we pray. When we go through affliction, we realize how exposed we are. That is when we pray. And often the Lord will bring that affliction into your life for a purpose, to bring you closer to Him. The Lord doesn't... The One of the worst things in the world would be to have a comfortable life. What we need is a sanctified life to be closer to the Lord. And when you see that trouble, you look unto Him. In Psalm 9 and verse 3, it says this, When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. The psalmist here, Psalm, uh, psalm of David in, verse, in, in Psalm 9, sees his, his victory is in the Lord. Yes, he's exposed of himself, he's surrounded by enemies, but he finds protection in the Lord. Psalm 9 and verse 9, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And often it's not until you see your trouble. That's when you seek for refuge. That's when we seek for the blessing that the Lord alone offers us. So finally, number four. When he sees his nurture. When he sees his nurture. So the believer prays in affliction. When he sees his nature, he's a sinner. We need God's mercy. We all do. When he sees his need, we are creatures. We are frail. We are but of the dust of the earth. But also when he sees his nakedness, we are surrounded by enemies. And without the Lord's help, we are easy pickings. We need the Lord's protection. Then finally, number four, when he sees his nurture. What I mean by nurture is... Nurture is all about food and protection, a place of safety, a place of warmth, a place of where you feel at your safest. And we often, when we hear this word nurture, we think of mothers because we have this sense of safety and comfort. Even this picture is used in the Bible. Um, We are nurtured, a Christian is nurtured, in the bosom of the church. That's the language that's been used for hundreds of years. In the bosom of the church, in the warmth and embrace and the nurture of the church, through the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, people, believers, are nourished and blessed and sustained by the Lord. A place of warmth and acceptance, and accepted in the beloved in and through Jesus Christ and his finished work. It is when we are at our, you could even see scared, when we don't feel safe, when we see our trouble. What does it say here in our text? Oh, keep my soul, verse 20, and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Well, we would feel shame, I suppose, in a sense of defeat. We are seeking to be delivered. To find safety in him. David found this place of food, protection and safety in the presence of the Lord. When he trusted him with his body and with his soul. I remember 
hearing um, there was a story myself and my wife have been spending a good bit of time watching a lot of uh, documentaries from World War One, and one of the stories that was told by was a nurse who she she served during World War One, and it was one of the cruelest battles to take place during that time during the Battle of the Somme, and one of the men. Um, in great distress, injured, was crying out for his mother. I don't know if we can ever wrap our minds around the anguish and the distress that those men went through on that day. But I remember it struck me when I heard that. We may think that well, that sounds kind of strange. But he was in great distress and he wanted relief, comfort. There are other people who do cry out for the Lord when we're in trouble. What kind of distress could bring people to that? See, we're not all the same. Our distresses, our pains, our experiences are not going to be identical. And the Lord will bring you through these things as a believer in Jesus Christ with one purpose above all the purposes and it's to bring us closer to the Lord. To seek his protection. To seek his food and care. To seek his nourishment. Oh keep my soul so that in the midst of life we don't get carried away with the gold and the silver and the comforts of Western living. He's bringing these things into your life for a good reason. Oh, keep my soul and deliverly. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. See, we otherwise, without affliction, so often we can be carried about with idols and trust in them. In verse 21, it says this let integrity. And uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. David the psalmist is not saying, let my integrity per se be what preserves me. But that his faith is a genuine faith. It's not hypocrisy. It's truly looking to the Lord. And a genuine saving faith. Looking to Jesus Christ. One of integrity and uprightness. That preserves the believer. For I wait on thee. See, we're saved by faith. Because it is the instrument by which we lay hold upon the one. Who does preserve us. And who does keep it. But without that. Without that true and saving faith. Looking to Jesus and him alone. We will not endure. Verse 22. Redeem Israel, O God, out of his troubles. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. God does not just save us from some troubles. From all. Now we haven't tasted, have we? All of that. We've only but tasted a little. Psalmist writes in Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Who trusts in him is blessed. So you've but tasted. Yes we are in union with Christ. But 
we have so much more to look forward to. We still face affliction in this world. Pain, suffering. And we long for that time. When there will be no affliction. Of any description. There will be no sense of isolation. Loneliness, pain, tears. All these things that cause us anguish and distress will be gone. Because we will be completely and utterly satisfied with God. In God, through God, forever and ever. And it is Him who we pray to. But until that time, until we have our resurrected bodies, until that time, until we leave this earth, we will have affliction. And it has a purpose. It has a purpose that we cry out to the Lord, that we are people of prayer. Jesus himself suffered affliction. Yet he was without sin. He bore our sin. He carried our sorrows. We are sinners. And we are prone to wander. We are prone to wander. And the Lord wishes to keep us in the safest place possible. Close to him. One day the suffering will be over. And we will rejoice in the presence of the Lamb forever and ever. But not yet. Not yet. And we long for that day. We long for the day when the redemption of the body happens. We long for that day, the resurrection of the dead at the end of time. We long for that day of a new heavens and a new earth. We long for that day of a new Jerusalem where righteousness dwells. Amen. Let us pray.